Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Thursday the 15th of February. Our top story, large patches of red paint on roads in Hearn Bay as part of a new 20-mile-per-hour zone have been branded ugly and lurid. The markings have appeared at nine junctions in the town. Nicola joins me now with more details. So, Nicola, why is this bright colour being painted on? Well, road bosses say it's to warn drivers they're entering a lower speed limit and in the past five years there have been more than 60 accidents in the zone, which is now 20 miles per hour. But the red strips have already sparked a flood of complaints complaints with many people branding them over the top and unnecessary. One resident says they had no warning about the work being done and it spoils the area. Another told Kent Online, the crazy thing is that they even painted over a pothole. Perhaps they should tackle them first. And what have the council said in response to these comments? Well, they've defended the idea, although Hern Bay councillor Dan Watkins has admitted the colour is a little garish. He says he's been reassured by highway engineers that it will mellow over time. Obviously, it's right because it's doing a job of raising awareness. Um, and we wanted to raise awareness uh, because we, we wanted to, to, to see that the, the, the speed limit has, has changed. If, if they were going to be that bright forever, then in a couple of places, I think I would be a little bit nervous about that, Nicola. Uh, but having spoken to our highways team who, who chose the paint colour and I said, you know, what, you know it's quite bright, what's, you know, you know, any, any issues there? And they said, well, actually, it does dull quite quickly. So in the beginning, it's bright, but we need to change people's awareness. And, and a few months later down the line, it will start to dull and, and lend in more. Kent County Council say white 20 markings will be added to the red strips when the weather allows and the colours considered most appropriate to provide a contrast so drivers know to slow down. Thanks, Nicola. Kent Online reports. An inquest has been told a man who was hit by a lorry outside Maidstone Hospital died partly due to a delay in alerting the right people that he'd left. Kevin Bryce passed away in February 2022 after suffering head injuries. The 57-year-old had been in the town for a court appearance and went to the hospital for psychiatric help. An inquest jury said he died by suicide. NHS Trust bosses said their thoughts and sympathies were with Mr Bryce's family and they'll review the coroner's findings. A man's been treated in hospital after being shot with a crossbow in Gillingham. He was walking along Victoria Street when he was hit in the leg. It's thought the man and suspect were known to each other. Now, the boss of a dairy farm near Dover has been telling Kent Online about the huge financial impact of the Blue Tongue outbreak. A control zone's been in force after the virus was identified in cows in Canterbury back in November. It's not harmful to humans, but measures were taken to limit the spread, including restricting the transportation of livestock. Anita Hickson's been speaking to Gabriel from our colleagues at KMTV. Blue Tongue has impacted us quite dramatically financially in a way that we never foretold really prior to uh, to the TZZ the temporary consultants being in place not being able to move anything um, our unit works um, on a rotation basis we have a young stock unit in Mainstone um, we carve down the heifers here um, they're reared to eight weeks and then they go to our young stock unit and they return in calf ready to come back into the dairy not being able to move anything or applying for licenses, um, blood testing, the financial cost, the extra feed, not being able to um, move livestock, um, 
or slaughter livestock in the correct abattoirs unless they're licensed by DEFRA um, has had a huge impact on us. Staffing issues, um, you know, milking, extended milking times. You know, we're running probably 200 more animals on this unit than we should be or or, ca or usually do um, because of the movement restrictions in the control zone that, that, that AFA and DEFRA have enforced upon us. What would you like to see now from the government? Would you like to see compensation? I'd like to see compensation. Um, I don't understand that they're, they're going to lift the restrictions as of Monday, which is great news. Don't get me wrong, that is great news for us. Um, but it's not going to replace the, the 40, 45,000 that we've already spent out. They're not going to compensate us for any of the aggravation that we've had. And, and, and to my mind, it was all unjustified. There was no need to do it. Holland haven't done it. They're not following the science. She's not the only one criticising the official response. Hugh Richards is a livestock rep for the National Farmers Union in Kent. I think AFA have based all their research on what happened in 2008, which was a very different incursion. And they are so risk averse that they wouldn't open it up. The only cattle they found and sheep they found with any sign of infection have all had antibodies. So if they've got antibodies, they've got over the disease. So the risk with the weather we've had, the low midge counts, and now low midge season, there's been no reason, because there is no animal-to-animal -animal transfer. It's only via the midge. And for the midge to do that, it's got to be above, I believe, 15 degrees C for a 24-hour period. Well, we haven't had that since November, basically, because the temperature's been going up and down. So if you follow the science, no, AFRA have got it wrong. They're very much understaffed, inexperienced, They've got very young people answering the phones and also dealing with the emails and that has shown up very badly in some cases because they haven't shown due respect and courtesy to the farmers who are suffering the problem and it's based on incorrect science and if you can't base it on current science then you shouldn't be doing it. This is based on 2007-8 outcut incursion that came. So do you think it was an overreaction from the government? Vastly overreacting government. If you actually speak to people in Holland, they're not even testing. You know, they're looking at us saying, you're mad, you're mental, why are you doing it? Uh, it might be controversial, but I think we should have a country-wide zone because then everybody's in the same boat, it doesn't affect trade, it doesn't affect farmers. And the biggest problem is that you've put farmers inside the zones, both up in Norfolk and in Kent, in a huge financial restriction. And I think there are some people who probably won't recover from that, and that is just wrong. In a statement, the government says these outbreaks are understandably concerning for all local farmers and businesses. However, we must take a precautionary approach through stringent biosecurity measures to stop the wider spread of blue tongue in the UK. We've looked to support farmers during this difficult time when our risk assessments have shown it is possible. This includes changing the rules so that some movements of live animals out of zones can be permitted. We'll continue to assess when all restrictions can be lifted when and the risk level is safe. Kent Online News. A boy who was arrested over the death of another child in Gravesend has been released without charge. Emergency crews were called to Singlewell Road at the end of last August. Police have confirmed an investigation's now been concluded and the death is not being treated as suspicious. An Ashford takeaway has been given a one-star hygiene rating after staff were found preparing food with paintbrushes. Inspectors also discovered out-of-date food and a mouldy freezer at Cappadocia on Station Road. The site was previously a restaurant but rebranded to a kebab house after being forced to close due to a lack of staff.
A report's raised serious concerns about safety and decency for children being held at a young offenders institution in Medway. Inspectors visited Cookham Wood and found boys are being locked in their cells for up to 22 hours a day, which is leading to an increase in resentment, anger and violence. A lack of staff is one of the main issues. We're told urgent action is needed to improve the situation. 12,000 people have now signed a petition calling for courses at the University of Kent to be saved. Last month, we told you a consultation's underway into plans to stop running nine of them and cutting almost 60 staff. Anthropology is one of those at risk. Students Ashley Hendra and Tyler Harvey have been chatting to Oliver from our colleagues at KMTV. We love anthropology, we love the department, we love the lecturers, so we're really sad that it was being considered. Also really concerned for our futures. What this could potentially mean for us. Um, Tyler and I are both graduating this year but it doesn't look good to be graduating from a department that's been closed down. Yeah and I was just really shocked like it came as a big surprise because mm. just I know how like how much of an impact this department has across the country and kind of internationally as well. I think we were in the well our department was in the newspaper this this week for uh, analysing a Roman egg I think we explained that <laughs> and that was just really interesting that they found from mm. around here and I'm just like, how can that like, stop? It doesn't make sense to me. So. Yeah. So there was no inkling before that this consultation was going to take place, that this um, faculty was at risk? No, not at all. Um, I know the lecturers must have known for a while the department's been in trouble, but they've given no indication. They've just continued on as how they've always been. They've been amazing at educating us. So what was the reaction from your peers as well, like, um, like both to the closure but also to the, orga the organising that you've just started? Well, uh, yeah, the reaction to the consultation happening was like just a wave of sadness, I think. Mm -hmm. Like no one wants this to kind of go away. Uh, and so I guess that when we started the petition there was quite a bit of, of traction yeah. with that because people were just sad. So we thought we needed to do something. Yeah, I think everyone got involved really quickly because they all felt the same way as we did, which was just amazing. It made us feel really appreciative that everyone was getting involved. Um, we've had so much, um, so much support from all the students and the lecturers. You put the petition up. Uh, how, what was like the support then? Like, like the, uh, how fast do you see those signatures rack up? Um, so we put it out on the Sunday. By the Monday we'd had hit 100 signatures and I was just shocked then. Then within a few days it hit 1,000, then 2,000, then 3,000. And I just thought, wow, this is much bigger than we thought it would be. Yeah, and there was just a lot of support from like names I had heard of. Like, I think there was Tim Ingold, mm. who's a really great anthropologist that I really enjoy reading. So that was <laughs> yeah. quite, quite like, oh, wow, people do know about this department yeah. and they do care. They're planning a march next week, followed by a sit-in protest. The uni consultation ends on February 29th. Police are hunting a dog owner after nine sheep were attacked and killed near Maidstone. Two small brown terriers were seen worrying the animals not far from Chartway Street in Kingswood on Sunday morning. They had no collars or leads. Head to Kent Online to see a picture of a man detectives want to speak to about an arson attack in Dover. A lit firework was posted through the letterbox of a property on Adelaide Road last month. No one was hurt, but the carpet was damaged. 
The M20s reopened more than 24 hours after a crash and fuel spillage. A car and lorry collided on the coastbound stretch between Ashford and Hythe in the early hours of yesterday. Around 200 litres of diesel had to be cleaned up and the carriageway has been resurfaced. Kent Online reports. Kent Police is getting a share of £66 million to tackle antisocial behaviour. The government money is being split between all 43 forces across England and Wales. It's aiming to help address hotspots of violence and disorder. A former English teacher from Tunbridge Wells has written a book inspired by her experience in a cult. Anthea Church spent 20 years in the group Brahma Kumaris. Our reporter Cara Simmons has been finding out more about her experience. The daily routine was punishing. You were expected to continue with your professional life or, you know, if you had one. So the day went like this. Get up at 3.30 a.m., put on white clothing, uh, walk to a meditation centre, which was just down not far for me to walk, but some people had to come by car, meditate for three quarters of an hour, go back home, have a shower, change into new clothing, go to another place, um, have a class, more meditation. Then, so by that time, it would be like 7 a.m. by the time that second class and meditation had finished. Go back home, change into professional wear, suit or whatever, drive than the North Circular for an hour, teach English all day, come back, have another shower, change into white clothes. Oh, uh, food, had to take your own food, weren't allowed to eat food cooked by anyone outside the group. So now we're at, what, seven o'clock, meditate again, uh, sometimes go to a class, sometimes give a class, you know, as time went on. I used to give a lot of classes, then go to bed relatively early because you had to be up early the next morning. To me, that sounds, you know, really exhausting. Um, but, I mean, you did it for 20 years. I, I, did you sort of enjoy it at first? <laughs> I, really lo- I know it sounds mad, but I really loved it because it it was like I knew what I was aiming for I liked certainty, I liked the clarity, I liked the structure, I liked the ambition, I liked the sort of challenge that it set me. And I enjoyed writing about the ideas because I love writing. So for the first years, I I was very happy. Do you remember sort of the day that you left? Yeah, I do. I didn't have any, not not more possessions than would fill one car. I did not do, I mean, a lot of people who left either fell in love or just started to think that the teachings were, you know, they were a bit not right or they started to sort of analyse them. And, and especially the children of parents who had brought them into that group, they started asking big questions. But for me... I didn't think I was leaving. I thought I was just getting a new job. And so for the first year, I would go back to London sometimes. But as time went on, I just started gradually to distance myself. 
Her new novel's called Lift Man and tells the story of a seven-year-old boy from London who's taken away by his mum to live in India. Kent Online News. Plans for a solar farm on land near Marden have been given the go-ahead. 184 acres of land will be covered with panels. The people behind it say the development will have a lifespan of almost 40 years. Then the land will be returned to its current state. An 18th century building in Deal could soon be home to 30 weddings a year, despite local concerns over noise. Council bosses have granted the owners an alcohol licence this month, but say a noise management plan is in place for Ripple Court. There are also limits on guest lists and a firework ban. A business owner has been telling Kent Online why he's decided to expand into a high street, despite shops closing throughout the county at an alarming rate. Compton's Kitchen started in Faversham about 12 years ago and is now launching its third showroom in Tenterden. Our reporter Chantelle Weller has been chatting to boss Jacob Compton. The reason we've actually come to Tenterden itself, um, I think being quite an old quintessential English town, it's very similar to what our original store in Faversham is, but maybe on just a slightly bigger scale. It's got all those independent shops, um, which we still are. We're a family-run company, um, and we've always had those family values. And it's nice being having independent shops rather than all sort of the big guys that have shops everywhere. And I feel like our sort of business and our philosophy will fit really nicely here. Um, we've been looking for probably say two three years now and it just feels like now and the location of the shop is just the the right time to do it um don't be wrong it's, it's quite a big step forward and uh it's gonna have its challenges along the way but we feel that our style of kitchens fits the area as well um and it, it, we just really like the vibe of tenston we've shopped here a lot we come here often um, and hopefully will fit in nicely. And obviously at the minute there's been quite a few businesses close their doors in January 2024 already so far. Does yeah. that sort of fill you with any nerves? Obviously it is a difficult climate at the minute. How are you sort of thinking about that? I think it is a, it is a worry and I'd be silly if uh, to say it wasn't. Um, I think at the end of the day if you, one, treat your customers right, Two, if you've got a good MO and you, you do the job properly, like we, we always get good reviews at the end of jobs, we always look after our customers, we always treat them how we would want to be treated. And I think that, yes, people aren't potentially spending as much, but at the same time, if people need a kitchen, people do need a kitchen. So that's where we try and cater for everyone. Maidstone's Alessia Russo has donated a football shirt and boots for an auction raising money for the heart of Kent Hospice. The pieces will be among paintings, sculptures and ceramics going under the hammer next month. Last year, the event raised more than £21,000. And finally, a gluten intolerant baker who struggled to find her passion in life has finally opened her own store. Mia Dahl recently launched a traditional Danish bakery called Blomst on Hartnup Street in Maidstone. On the first day, her products, which include croissants, bread and cookies, sold out within two hours. Our reporter Cara Simmons has been finding out more about Mia's baking journey. I've always been a lot more creative doing like product design and food tech in school so um, and I always liked baking I baked with my nan growing up so um, there was a lot of focus on food and that's what I really enjoyed doing and going home and making dinners you are gluten intolerant aren't you yes 
but you love bread. Yeah. So um, <laughs> was that your thought process behind like what made you decide like I'm going to open up my own place? Um, it's quite a contradiction <laughs> um, because I can't eat most of the things I produce. So it is just for the love of doing it, to be honest. Um, it's a very, sourdough baking especially, it's very technical and there's a lot that goes into it that a lot of people don't realise. It's not just chucking a bit of yeast in some dough and it rises perfectly every time. There's a lot of um, variables and factors that go into it. Um, so it is just that that I enjoy, the baking and then sort of stepping it up a gear and realising, okay, all the environmental factors that go into making this as well actually makes it a little trickier and a little more special in a way. Seeing the feedback, people saying they're loving it, I mean, it must mean so much to you to have that support, like the community support. Yeah, definitely. It's um, very nerve-wracking the whole setup period and how long it takes and then you realise you actually have to make it work as well. Once you've finished all the building, you've finished buying all the equipment and then you're like, right, people need to actually show up and like what I'm doing now and otherwise it's not it's not going to work. Um, so it is very nerve-wracking to see if people are going to support you and if they're going to like what you're doing. Um, and it was very much like imposter syndrome as well when people show up on Saturday I'm like why are people coming why do they want to come and buy my stuff this is really weird the store is next to Maidstone MOT and repair centre and is open Thursday to Sunday Kent Online Sport Football and Dartford-based London City Lionesses have lost 4-0 to Arsenal in the Women's League Cup. Alessia Russo scored for the visitors at Prince's Park last night. Arsenal will play Aston Villa in the semi-final. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get details on the top stories directed to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. While you're there, you can also check out this week's Eat My Words food review. Our reporter's been to the dining room restaurants in Laysdown. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.